in motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he caught it. Boy, yes. Sewell on first down. Oh, yes. the big man dives down to the 31-yard line. Oh, that is beautiful. Welcome to the 20 in the Huddle podcast. We are in the middle of training camp. I am joined by Detroit Lions veteran left tackle Taylor Decker. And Taylor, do, does training camp get easier now? This is what camp for you? Is this eight? eight? Yep. Does it get easier? Does it get harder? Is it tougher on the body? I mean, you definitely have more miles on the body. I mean, I would say, uh, you know, the staff is doing a good job of, of managing reps and managing workload, you know, with uh, some of the guys who – you know, got some more miles, got a lot more games yeah. played, uh, you know, game snaps and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I will say the one the one spot that you do have an advantage as, as a veteran and somebody who's played is, you know, the offensive system and there isn't as much um, angst to to go out there and perform every single day because you've done it and, sure. and you're confident in it. You can get yourself a day off here or there, you know, or you just understand kind of what's going on that you don't feel like you have to be in there every single time. Is that kind of... Well, when I'm practicing, I'm doing every rep. I'm just, you know, you know, you see the young players, they're trying to digest the playbook. Um, you know, they're trying to think on the fly. Sure. They, they can't process the information as fast. Um, that doesn't mean they're not studying. Um, but just from, you know, a veteran player standpoint, I've seen every defense and all the blitzes and stuff like that. So I know what to expect. So I can just go out there and, and play a little more, a little more free and with, with a little, um, I mean, I guess the word would be less anxiety. You know, sure. the guys are, are thinking of what's going to happen and, and anxious. And, and things are going 100 fast. miles a minute like they are for for younger guys. Have you know how's maybe Dan's camps a little bit different than, than some of the other kind of regimes you've been a part of here? Is it easier? Is it more intense? Is it kind of the same? Are they all pretty much the same? Or maybe how would you describe it as maybe being a little bit different if it is? I would say uh, the camps over the last couple of years, they kind of ebb and flow. Hmm. There'll be days where... You know, he always uses the term, we're going to redline you. Like, we're going today. Yeah. And, and I just want you guys to go. Don't don't think about it. Don't look towards the next day. And uh, he always, you know, is saying that we will we will take care of you because we have a plan to, to make sure you're feeling good. But but we need those days where, you know, maybe you're going to get 40 reps and, and it's going to be full pads. And um, and we, we need that out of you. Yeah. Because, um, you know, come game time, you're playing 60, 70 reps full speed every single week. So, um I think the, the, you know, the word to describe it, that it's built off of would just be the trust. Yeah. Uh, just, just trust that we have a plan and, and we are going to make sure that you guys are feeling good and, you know, come, come time for the season. And that's coming from a guy who's been in your shoes too, mm -hmm. you know? So maybe that's a little bit different, a little different perspective from a coach that actually played a long time yeah. and, and, and played such a demanding position that he did. Taylor, you've talked about this a little bit, expectations. I mean, obviously you've been a part of some lean years here. Yeah. But the expectations are much bigger heading into this season. How much fun is that for you as a veteran player going into your eighth season now to talk about being right there in the NFC North, to talk about being one of the dangerous teams in the NFC, to talk about maybe a floor being, you know, just making the playoffs? I mean, yeah. those expectations haven't been around here consistently. Mm -hmm. How fun is that to enter a year with that kind of buildup? Because you guys in the locker room probably feel the same way. I know you guys are head down. You've got some work to do. We haven't done anything yet. Yes. But you got to hear the expectations, right? And it's got to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say like in a vacuum, um, you know, without all the other variables that comes with, you know, being a player like that excitement is fun. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to have those expectations. Um, but you know, we have to prove what we are, uh, and, and it's going to come down to that. Um, and, and I feel like I've been like craving this sort of potential. Yeah. Um, I bet, you know, I, I, I've said from probably three, four years that, you know, my, I just want to, I just want to play a home playoff game. Yeah. You know, everybody else has, you know, in the media has much more lofty expectations and, you know, you know, expectations. And, um, I just want to start there. Can you, I just want to start and trying to, like? yeah, I just want to start by trying to win the, win the division. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, pound the table and say like, it's going to happen. Um, that's where I want to start. Yeah. I want to start there and, and, you know, maybe our, our goals and, and what we want to do will evolve as we go. Um, but man, Ford field, if we, if we got a home playoff, can game, you even be, imagine Taylor be incredible what that would be like, yeah, that would be so fun. It would be like so one of those, insane. uh, Taylor Swift concerts where they're talking about <laughs> the seismic way earthquake <laughs> and all that. Yeah. It would. Cause those people are so hungry for it too. And they would show up and they would show up in force and that would be such an advantage. Well, let me ask you this and, looking at the roster looking at some of the young guys looking at it now look it's 10 days into camp right you've got a mm-hmm. long ways to go but do you like the, the the pieces that you have do you think you've improved this 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 roster enough where you can compete for some of the goals that you're talking about i think so um but again that's all theory and and, and you know again we have to prove it and all the blah 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 player speak coach speak um but that's true. That's the, the that's the true nature of it. Um, you know, one guy that, I mean, he just I'm just excited to play with him is David Montgomery. I mean, he just his intensity and his passion and his competitiveness just pops. Like I, I feel it. Mm. I feel it out there. Um, and and I, you know, not me personally, but yeah. us as a, as a as a team, we've played against that guy for for a number of years. And, right, right. Um, I'm I'm super excited to play with him. Um, and then just to see our, our young guys as a whole, um, whether they're rookies, second-year players, um, the overall professionalism and maturity, I think has been pretty impressive because um, it can be a it can be a hard transition as, as a young player. You're the superstar at the college. You come here and you know you're, you just feel like you're trying to tread water um, to to be a professional and to be mature. Um, I think that's a testament to to those guys and, and what they're about. I want to ask you, well, I, the, the David Montgomery stuff is is great because you look at the film and, and his ability to make that first guy miss. And then you've got a guy like Gibbs with mm-hmm. his 4-3 speed and stuff with how you good you guys are up front. It seems like with that combination, and, and this is just my perspective from the outside looking in, you would know more. But it seems like the big play potential in the run game is, is much greater with those those yeah. two guys and i think we've even seen it in in the 10 days their ability to make a guy miss cut back is that kind of maybe the the one thing that that david and jameer bring and look deandre swift and jamal williams were terrific last year over 1800 yards yeah. and 23 touchdowns and those guys were, were great and they did their job um but with these two it maybe looks like the big play potential in the run game is a little bit more would, would that be accurate um you know, I think I think if we are able to to like run wide zone effectively and get really good at it, especially up front, I feel like that's a scheme where it just takes repetition over repetition. You see the teams that are really good at running wide zone, um, and they just end up developing a feel for that. And, and I feel like that's where a lot of the big plays come. Yeah. Um, and we and we need 
we need chunks in the run game. Like we have to have it because that just opens up everything that opens up the playbook for our quarterback and receivers and our, and our offensive coordinators. So um, I, I do like the blend of, of talent and, and ability that we yeah. have in our running back room. In that offensive line room, Graham Glasgow rejoins the team. You yep. have a big smile on your face. I know why, but you get big V back too. And I think yeah. that's a big one too, right, Taylor? I mean, that's a guy who lightens up that room too. Two questions. Um, how fun is it to have kind of that whole group back together again? You guys yeah. haven't played with your top five in two years, yep. and with, even with how good you guys have been. And then just maybe Hank and his ability to kind of make that whole room work. I mean, you look at guys like Matt Nelson, Evan Brown, who stepped in and played really well. It seems like his ability to build depth is great. So getting Graham, big V back, just how much fun do you guys have in that room? Yeah. And then just how maybe Frank ties it all together and keeps everybody kind of yeah. on track but having fun too because it seems like a fun room to be a part of i would say um first i would say like you know if, if you've been the guy that's been out and been hurt like you know how much that sucks and it, it's you almost feel secluded and like yeah like you're not as much of part of it you went through it a couple of years ago you know, you know I, yeah. i've done it you know a couple times um so i know i'm just happy for you know for those guys to be back in the room yeah because i know what that camaraderie does for you and your mindset um but yeah, just having everybody out there and having a full unit out there being able to practice, like this is a very high performance business, but man, we make it fun. We make <laughs> it so sounds, much fun. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always cracking jokes, but we're still going to go out there and have our expectations to perform. Um, so, I mean, it's just a fun group, man. It's, Do you I like, think Hank's you, done a good, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're good. I no, think no. Hank's done a really good job of kind of, uh, encouraging kind of a family atmosphere in there yeah. and to support one another and he supports us and you know if he has to get on us a little bit he will but we, but we know it's coming from a place of love how much pride do you have when people talk about the detroit lions the first thing they talk about the strength of this football team is the offensive line that you're a huge part of that you're the anchor yeah. of on the left side i mean for it's it's cool it's it's super <laughs> cool like you know I've, I've you know i've i've played a ton of football but it's it's cool to be a part of a unit that has the potential to be a difference maker. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the, you know, the organization has been building towards that for a long time. And, um, you know, to see us be able to go out there and perform and, and, you know, hopefully perform even better this coming year. You know, I, I, I know I'm a grown man and everything, but it's just, it's fun. I can, I can imagine. Fun. Yes. So, all right. I want to finish with this, a little word association kind of, I'm going to say a name of the guys that you face every day along that defensive line. And I want the first word that comes to mind when I say a guy, that's the one we go with. Got the rules? Yeah, I think Can't so. think of it ahead of time. Here I we go. So. I think so. All right. Let's first start with Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, relentless. I like it. Yeah. He is. Do you want me to, you want me to riff on that or explain yeah, it? Yeah, we can riff on it. Let's do it. Well, first, one thing I would say about Aiden is he's definitely added some muscle. He's bigger. Yeah. Um, and, and we can feel it with his power um, in, in the rush game, um, in the pass rush. And man, he's uh, he's kind of, he's what you want in, a, in your first round pick. He, he really is. Yeah. And uh, seems like it's all about ball, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that, that, he does it right. Good. And, and I, I will give him his kudos for that. And I, I mean, I even, he was running the conditioning test and I was like, did you get any weight? You look bigger. And uh, 
he said he did. So, you know, he obviously got some good offseason work. And and that's what he said this offseason. One of his goals was, is it, you know, going from your first year to second year, that, that, that second year, that second offseason, I mean, you're not training for the 40 and the bench mm-hmm. and the combine and all that stuff. You can actually look at tape and see where your deficiencies are game-wise, body-wise. Yeah. And you can spend that whole offseason focusing on it. He said, that's what I did. I needed to get bigger and stronger. And kudos to him. It sounds like he's done that. Yeah. Charles Harris. I could probably use the same word. Uh, I would say, I would say he is probably the most consistent effort guy. Yeah. Um, I take the majority of my snaps against yes, him. Yes, you do. And it doesn't matter if it is a walkthrough, shells like today, full pads. He is always trying to work something within the framework of the practice. Yeah. But I know I'm not going to get a playoff against him. And um, man, those guys are those guys are a handful to deal with because it's run game, pass game, yeah. everything. Like um, you've got these people pretty excited now. We've only we're only two in. Yeah, this I mean, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm excited. I, like I'm excited to be able to compete against those guys because I know they're going to make me better. Yeah, uh, you know, I know that's all you can ask for, right? You know, there's you know there's days in early in camp where Charles was he was testing power on me, and today all of a sudden he's he's working hand moves up the field, and I'm like. All right, I see what you're doing. It's a you know, it's a yeah, chess it's a chess it match, and uh, you know we're we're about the same age and and just going back and forth every single day. It's 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 good for me. Guy with a chip on his shoulder too. With yeah, the, went down Ooh, last yeah. year. You know what I'm saying? Not being able to play the injury, having to fight through that. The off season coming back and, and I mean, I strikes thought, me as a guy who's ready. To I mean, I don't know if if the you know our media staff would want me to say this, but I I thought early in camp last year, I thought he was our best defensive player. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm biased because I was going against him, but man, he he was on it, and it seems like he's kind of picked up where he left off. And um, I mean, I think we, I think we got a lot of playmakers on defense. People can't forget we're only two years away from him having a seven and a half sack season. You know, mm-hmm. that's production in yeah. this league, and and, and, and a little bit more limited snaps that year too. One hundred percent, John Kaminsky. Let's go, Kaminsky. Ooh, tone setter. Tone setter. I see him as is a tone setter, and. You know these these first three guys they they're in the in the framework of they are gonna go every single play, and I feel like he he's gonna bring that physicality every single play where he maybe he's not necessarily making the play but he's setting other guys up to and he's happy to do it. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, he f- he fills like that unique position. Perfectly. Glue. He's a glue guy. Yeah, that's what I think of him. Yes. Every roster needs a guy like John Kaminsky. I mean, I, makes everyone around him better. A couple years ago, he was on the Atlanta Falcons, and he ended up he didn't end up playing. But uh, I mean, we were trying to game plan some stuff for him. Hmm. Yeah, he's a good player. Josh Pascal. Power. Yes, he's a powerful guy. You just see his lower body, and and you know just the way he's built. He's a he's a powerful guy. Similar. Um, I feel like he's in a similar vein is is Kaminsky. Yeah. Is is that that, that role kind of that player. he fills. Um you know, kind of a guy who's, you know, three four D in, but you know, and in, in, in a nickel, if you need him to slide off the D and he can. Uh, you know, if you need him to slide inside, maybe undersized three technique uh to pass rush. Um, but he he's a powerful guy. Really good to get sets a good edge against the run. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff with the strength. Mm-hmm. James Houston. Smooth. Smooth. He's smooth. He is smooth, isn't he? Yeah, he, he is a smooth <laughs> player. And uh you know, he's got the he's just got the rare unique gift of just natural bend. Yeah. Uh 
I feel like that's just something that you have or you don't, and you can't really teach it. You know, if you have it, you can you can build upon it, but you know, not many guys can dip the corner or have the ankle mobility and can, can dip their hips and and maintain balance um, and speed. Yeah, he but he is he's smooth with all of his stuff. Romeo. I see him as like that, like consummate professional guy. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had injuries and, you know, we picked him up off, uh, giants wa- of waivers off yep. from the giants. And I remember he was starting when he first got, uh, on our practice squad, he was, he was going against us on defense and I, it was just like every day I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's a headache. <laughs> Cause he would do the right thing mm-hmm. all the time with, with good technique and, you know, I've seen it over the last year coming back from his injury. Like, he's always doing something to be able to come back from that. His brother, Julian. Yeah. Um, especially in games, I feel like I see violence out of his hands. Hmm. Um, you'll see sometimes he'll come down on, down on downhill on a guard and he'll just strike him with his hands and he's, he's popping people. Um I feel like he's he's started to add more to his rush repertoire, and um, he's been a guy that uh, he he's had some injury stuff here and there, yeah. which, which I hope we can keep keep him healthy. That's a big thing with him. Yeah, it's just staying on the field. Yeah, uh, one guy that you, I know you don't go against, but I'm just curious because he's kind of moving himself into first team reps. So there's kind of a little build up for him a little bit. Just Broderick Martin, the rookie. Um, obviously you can't teach six foot five, 330 pounds, but yeah. what have you seen from him? I know you don't go against him directly cause you're out uh, on the edge, but maybe what you've seen from tape, what you've seen Frank and Jonah have to deal with, with him. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, y- you kind of hit it on the head. Like you can't teach size. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we're going to be playing the giants here in a couple weeks and, and they got guys that are just big and, and that just creates a problem within, a, within itself. Um, and I have seen him after practice, Broderick, out there continuing to work. Um, he, he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to kind of rest on his laurels if he has a good day. Yeah. You know, I, I really do think he, he wants to uh, try to improve. And this is coming from a small sample size of, uh, you know, I don't necessarily go against him. And I've only, um, you know, had so many, you know, double team blocks against him because I'm mostly blocking the defensive ends. But he does strike me as a guy that, he has that that rare size, yeah. But but he also seems to want to do things right. As a vet, you got to love to see that out of a young guy. Yeah, getting his reps in that forward. All right, last one: the the joint practices. How much are you guys looking forward to that? Now, ten days in, kind of hitting the old, the same guys. You mentioned going against Charles a lot. Mm-hmm. How much does the energy ramp up? How much do you guys look forward to joint practices with the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up here in the next couple of weeks? It's going to be. It's going to be good to see a new face, different styles of, of rushes, uh, different styles of, of playing a deuce block, B block, whatever it may be, different defensive structures and looks, um, and just kind of kind of test guys, I think, to see what they know cold. Because yeah. early on in camp, you know, um, I don't necessarily do this, um, but, you know, you, you can get the script before and look at the plays that you're going to have and, like, what do I need to do? I always like to go into practice cold and try. I need to. I need to recognize the play. I need to get up. I need to recognize the defense. I need to do it. Um, I think it'll be a really good opportunity to see 
what can guys do when, when, um, when they have to go out there and they just have to, to remember things yeah. and, and play on the fly and, and read their keys and play their technique and do it against a new opponent too. Yeah. And I know fans are going to be looking forward to seeing some of the new pieces on the offense, but with that offensive line and you guys, you lead the way. Everything you guys are going to do offensively is because you big guys up front. It's fun to watch you guys. I appreciate you taking the time, and I can't wait to see these joint practices in the next couple of weeks. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I am very happy to welcome in Jim Miller, Pat Kerwin, Moving the Chains, really popular show on on Sirius NFL radio. They do a great job, great insight. So what camp is this for you guys? Making the stop in Detroit, what's what's number is it on the tour here? Well, for me, I've already done Chicago, I've done New England and the Bills. So I caught up with Pat after doing the the Bears. So this is our third together. Yeah, I skipped the Bears. Okay. (laughs) I don't think people in Detroit are going to mind that too, too no. much here, Pat. You're going to beat them anyway. I don't, think, I don't think Pat minds it either. No. <laughs> but guys, look, you, you guys make these trips. And I know Jim and, and Pat, you guys were here last year as well. We are many, many years now. Yeah, and you guys are, are constant. But this year, does it feel a little bit different? to you guys just with the expectations with where this roster's mm-hmm. at with kind of the excitement surrounding yeah. the team? It, yeah. Does it feel well, different? I'll Good. say this. The second I met, I knew Dan Campbell as an assistant coach and a player. The second I saw Dan in action here the first year, I knew it was only a matter of time really? of the way he was going to do this. And it was a radical choice, really. And uh, the guy had a vision. I don't know that it would you call it typical the way he saw he was going to run this, but I don't think it surprised me and Jim that we'd get to this point in three years. Yeah. And for me, because I live locally here, I'm, I'm very in tune with the buzz uh, about this team, you know, and, and what they're trying to do and how uh, really, you know, Sheila Ford Hamp has gone about uh, building this. So I've kind of seen the inner networking of it and also the perception of what fans perceive on the outside. Yeah. There is a buzz about this team and there is an excitement level from this fan base that hasn't been here in quite some while, uh, quite a while. And I think rightfully so, because I think they're doing it the right way. And I'm glad you mentioned Sheila because it doesn't seem like that optimism is driven just on because the roster looks good. Like you look at the coaching staff, you look at what Brad's done in the draft, what he's built, what he's adding in free agency. And then, you know, Sheila Hamp providing everything financially and the support that they all need. It just seems like from, from players all the way up top to bottom, it's it, it's trending in the right direction. That gives yeah. you so much optimism. I'll tell you where I see the trend. You always got to beat your own division. Yeah. So last year, not just five and one, but and I drafted Aaron Glenn, so I, I know who he is and how he. And and there's another example of Dan's patience. A lot of guys would have fired Aaron yeah. in the middle of that early phase of this, and he thought better of it. But when you start winning your division like you did, and you're winning and you're scoring in the high twenties. And you're giving up in division play under 20 points. That's the foundation to success because now you got a chance to win a division. Yeah. Something that hasn't been done here since 1993. And, and look, it's the first time there's not a Hall of Fame quarterback you got to go through in Green Bay. That, that mm-hmm. makes a little bit of a difference. There's a lot of guys celebrating that. <laughs> there's some uncertainty there. But do you like Detroit's chances in, in the NFC North with, with what the other teams sure. are doing? How do you think that, that division kind of sets up, plays well, out? Well, a couple of things I'd say. There's going to be a change in Green Bay, and, and it's really they ought to just admit they're in a youth movement. They haven't. Minnesota blew it, I think. They had a chance when Rodgers left to double down, get five or six guys and make a run for this. But instead, they've gone the other way. And so the door's wide open. And I, I really expect you to win the division. Now, 
I came here for one big reason to see if the if you were managing expectations because everything we're talking about is expectation, you know, higher and higher. Uh, Dan's not letting that really happen to the team. No. Yeah, he's keeping their head. They're they're focused, and like you said, they they haven't accomplished anything yet. It's it's their form, you know. I, I definitely think it's a wide open division that they can achieve all their goals, win the division, potentially uh, make it to the to the playoffs. And I think it would be another you know another step in the right direction of what they're they're trying to build. And they they've made a lot of moves here. You know, Brad Holmes. People forget he conducted really eight really good drafts out there for the Rams to build them into what they were, and then comes here, makes the trade for Goff, acquires those assets, and I'll tell. You what man he has not missed on many picks at all this was a great draft in my opinion and this whole draft class will be contributors for this team from jack campbell to sam laporta i think broderick martin will get rotated in there branch is a great player yeah. i mean who they drafted from alabama they, they, this is a very good secondary now that was somewhat suspect and that maybe leads to, to jim talked about what they did in the draft what about how they supplemented that in free agency with getting a guy like cj gardner johnson cam sutton emmanuel Moses, yeah. some of the other pieces pat because you know i was in this business and we had a hard team when to, you know a bad team and trying to recruit for a bad team when multiple teams want a player is very hard but people want to come here jim and i interview a lot of players and whether it's campbell or or goff and what's going on with the offense it's not hard now to get guys to want to come here which how long has it been since that was the case? I used to love to compete against you guys. Yeah. Oh, it's you or Detroit. Good, we're going to get you. That's not the case now. No. Cam Sutton made it a point that there is a buzz among players, and that's why he signed here. Really? Yeah. About other players in the league, this is now a destination that they want to come to. Because of Brad and Dan? And, and, and Yeah, because of what they're building, how he coaches, his style. Yeah, he's, he's a no-nonsense guy. But, you know, I got coached by George Perlis at Michigan State. I would want to play for Dan Campbell. I can tell you that right now because it's the same type of style I think that I trust with. him. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's what that's the conversation players have. Can you trust this guy? And they're getting a lot of yeses. Does it make a difference that he's been in their shoes? No, obviously there's been lots of players that have become former players that have become coaches, but it just seems like Dan's not going to ask anybody to do anything that he hasn't been one asked to do himself or done himself. You know what I'm saying? Is there yeah. that kind of respect well, that yeah. comes I mean, with that? When I broke in the league, it was under Bill Cower, former player, and I did. I Like Pat said, I trusted Bill Cower. I wanted to play for for Bill Cower, and I think and Pat's actually you know talked to Bill. He's on the set with, with Bill, Bill Cower. I, I hooked Bill up with Dan. Dan and I, well, Bill and I are very close. Yeah. We play a lot of golf together. We're together every Sunday. And the day I met Dan, we were on the set with him. And at the end of it, I said, give me your cell phone number. You are going to get to know Cower. And I call Cower and those guys converse a lot now. What are your, just your impressions of, of Dan? What kind of guy? Because you said you when, when you first, you knew that this was going to get to this yeah. point. Why'd you have that feeling, Pat? Because I think he knows the kind of players you need. And he wasn't afraid to get rid of players, even guys with big names, out of here because you're not really going to be the lion the way we want a lion to be. So he, he was bold in those things, and he didn't make many mistakes. He also is – this is the part I don't think the fans understand how patient he is. Like, he looks like he's impulsive and he got rid of your uh, defensive backs, et cetera. But you're going for it on fourth down a lot and all yeah, this stuff. But And they were ready to <laughs> criticize him and run him out of town and, and the things he said in his press conference – so, you know, that East Coast mentality where I come from, they thought, mm, who's this guy, you know? But when I when I really study how he handles his roster, like he has a three-year plan for every player. Yeah. Now, you can blow that up yourself if you want, but he's willing to stick with you just like he stuck with Aaron for three years. 
And that's when he thinks if you don't deliver by three, that's that's a long time. Most young head coaches like him get fired in three years. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you hire a guy that's never had any experience, many of these owners are going to fire him in three years. Right. They're just playing Russian roulette with the guy. But this guy does not understand how to get players ready. He challenges them in their meetings. I know he does. And I know the things he says. So I think he got he got the ingredients now. Then you got to deliver in the games, and 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 I think he got the quarterback. Remember when no one wanted Goff? Yeah. I don't hear any of that anymore on the radio. Twenty-nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. Why hasn't thrown an interception? Three hundred twenty-four. Yeah. Passes. N- nobody was nobody was playing better down the stretch at the position than Jared Goff. The last ten games of the year, he was incredible. How he played, yeah. just efficient, getting rid of the ball, his processing the information, not getting sacked. Uh, you know, all those things matter, and and he's a better player. And both Brad Holmes and and Dan Campbell, he, they believe he is better now than what he was when he finished the, the year. He'll be this. He he says too. He feels better about just the situation that he's in, and he yeah. thinks he's playing better ball than he was when he was well, playing at his height in L.A. too. And he was playing some pretty good football. He threw three hundred times without a pick. You know, he knows where to go with the ball. He has people that can catch it. Now he has a young tight end. We talked to him this morning about it, that he's nurturing. He knows the middle of the field is going to be open. Yeah. And, Jim, I mean, you played quarterback in this league. How important do you think it was, too, for Ben Johnson when he got the job last offseason to bring Jared in and say, look, it's not Ben Johnson's offense. This is what we're going to do. It's, Jared, let's build this thing together. What do you like to do? I mean, obviously, Ben's got his own concepts Mm -hmm. and things he wants to do, but I think – Allowing him to be a big part of it, does that play into some yeah, of that success any, we're seeing too? Any coach worth, worth his salt, you need to curtail the offense to the strengths of the, of the player. You know, these guys that come in and just say, hey, this is my system, this is how I want it run, it's just, that's just, it's just bad because there's going to be bad fits you know, in terms of players. And so you have to adapt, you have to adjust, you've got to curtail your, your play calling to the strengths uh, of the player and then minimize the things he, he doesn't do well. I think, I think we all know Jared isn't a guy where – you're going to move him around a lot. But like that chili roll game that they do, the half roll, that sets up perfectly for his game, for his play action stuff and what they want to do. And he can process information as good as anybody and get the ball out of his hand. And by the way, the NFC, you know, Rodgers goes to the AFC. Russell Wilson goes to the AFC. Mm -hmm. When you look around, Jim and I get on the radio and we go, Mm -hmm. make a case against Goff. Right. Yeah. Right. Jalen Hurts is in that conversation and then – yeah, you got you got Dak. You got very few guys in the NFC. Jared Goff's the, right the, there, right, right there. There's no question. And the offense. I've been to a couple of camps now. The offense here, unlike some of the other Something camps running. I was at, is way ahead of the other offenses I saw. And, and that's great that they get Ben Johnson back yeah. too. Obviously, he flirted with some head coaching gigs. I think that's going to be in his future. But credit to him too to come back here. Yeah, I had him on the podcast right after he decided to do it. And he said, "Look, I've got some unfinished business, and I'm not ready yet." Uh, Credit to him, right? To say, hey, I've got a good thing going right here. I kind of want to keep this going. I want to learn some more before and be more prepared before I step into that role. I've I've helped a lot of guys get head coaching jobs. I always tell them, do not take a bad job because you're not going to get a second chance. Be patient. Keep building your resume and a better job will come along. And and you might have that happen here, you know, in a year or so. So, yeah, it's fun. Look, it. We've been here and done things like this for this organization multiple times. And sometimes we had to kind of wing it like, well, good luck. You know, not now. This is a real deal. We talked about the offense a little bit. Could you imagine playing behind this offensive line? 
they're tremendous. I mean, isn't that kind of the the catalyst of what everything on the field is going to be? Is Obviously, mm-hmm. it starts up front on both sides of the ball, but offensively, especially when you talk about this team, I think everything, first and foremost, is, man, that offensive line is really, really good. Yeah, there's, uh, we do our position rankings every year. The Lions are in the top five for their offensive line. Probably Philly was there. Dallas is a good offensive line, but Detroit is right there in terms of pound for pound, and they added to it. You know, and again, think about guys who were once here left and wanted to come back, and that'd be Grand Glasgow. And they, they got even more depth now, in, in my opinion, hopefully a healthy Vitae, but Penny Sewell was a great pick. Obviously, Decker. Ragnall is probably the strongest center in the league by far. And Jonah Jackson was a pro bowl a yeah. couple of years ago, too. So it's yeah. just right across that line, just yeah. veteran guys. And I, and I knowing Dan enough, hey, Dan's going to say, we had the, that same line last year, and we had the same line the year before. So it's got to be more than that. Yeah. The defense, you know, I'm still – look, we throwing a lot of flowers out here, but – they still need to get better in a defensive line. 100%. You know, and they should be searching for that. And they might have a player or two to give if they can get their hands on one. They're, not, they're hard to find, but your typical chance of getting one is contractual reasons, not talent reasons. So someone who can't afford to sign, a, a, that's the kind of guy that you should go after. And I think they have their eyes open and looking for stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I think they've got some guys coming back that played a lot in rookie. Obviously, Aiden Hutchins, some of those guys that they're thinking. Oh, I like the outside guys. Are going to develop, you know, Broderick Martin, maybe a young guy that can do something. Levi Onzerike, who they didn't have last year, could maybe give them a little something inside. I said to Jimmy this morning, when you miss on a defensive tackle for medical reasons or talent reasons, if you miss on that, it's – we all know if you miss on a quarterback, it's five years before you're better again. Yeah. You miss on a defensive tackle that you're counting on to be a star. You, it could be three years yeah. before you get to in a position in the draft to get the next really, really good one. So hopefully he comes around. But I don't think they should just sit around. No, and I don't think Brad will. Because they know. I mean, you look at last year, right? It was almost a tale of two seasons. First seven games of the year, they're one and six. They're allowing 32 points per game. You know, you look at the last 10, that number drops down to a little bit over 20. That's 11th best in the NFL. And with how good this offense is, you saw the result, right? Yeah. I think if this defense is just marginally better, you know, we're talking about in the team somewhere, this football team is going to be so much better. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. I Look, I don't, I didn't understand the criticism you guys were getting for drafting the middle linebacker. We love that guy. Jim and I interviewed just about every guy that was going to be a first, second, or third round pick. He was by far the smartest football player we talked to. He'll have no problem running this defense, managing it, coordinating it. And in the meantime, all the guys who had to play last year that are going to be backups now are full-blown starters. You got guys all over the place that can play linebacker, and that's a good Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, Rodriguez. And, you know, I thought he was a pleasant surprise last year. You know, so, yeah, I think especially the secondary. The secondary is night and day better than what it was. Yeah, so they they've got some players now, and they'll they'll you know they'll be just fine. You get Jamison back someday. I saw him today. You know, every time he catches a, an out route or goes past the, de- you know, I like that. that speed's different. Oh, he's different. It's different. And he's, it is. He's a game changer. And you'll, you, good things are coming. And then the, we we wrapped it up with coach today, going, you know, after all the things we just said, you get to turn around and see Hendon Hooker working out by himself out yeah, there. Yeah. What a what a yeah. great idea to draft that guy. A hundred percent. Seems like a, a, a terrific guy doing everything the right way. The arm strength you saw the the, the he's, how he he's played. I think 
that injury, he wouldn't have been there for them had he not suffered that injury. And I think that's one that, that they're going to benefit from. And you don't need him right away. No. It was the perfect place for him to come to. Already talk, yeah. And I, it was full funny. I talked to him at the senior bowl, actually, I ran into because he went down there, yeah. even though he couldn't do it, but just yeah. wanted to be part of the meetings and like yeah. kudos to that young man, right? And I asked him, what, would you like going to a place like Detroit where you could learn behind a guy or, you, you know, do you want to play right away? He said, I get to learn behind a guy like Jared Goff, a guy who's done it at a high level in this league for a long time. Sign me up. I'll do that. You know how much better I'm going to get? And that was his approach and his mentality, which you've got to love that in a young player. That's, it's a good problem to have because I think a lot of people thought that maybe Jared Goff was just going to be a bridge quarterback. I don't know if you can look at him like that anymore. I really don't. No. And this let this ben young man. him with him when he gets his job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's be, you know, here's the one thing I'd say to the fans that listen to this. I've seen a number of teams have this big emotional momentum. Mm-hmm. It happened to Houston the first time they were going to be good. And I'll never forget talking to them. They lost their opener to the Jets. And the fans immediately want to revert back to, here we go again. They still didn't believe. You could have a rough start. You could lose your opener. But but it's a challenge for all this excitement. And Jimmy sees it at all the stores in town. You got to be ready for the 17 games. Not... You know, the opener, because I've seen exactly what happens. The Jets had happened. They, yeah. the, the, the New York Post had the back page that the greening of New York, because they thought we we're going to be great. We lost the first two games. They turned on us oh, yeah. so fast. <laughs> and Kansas City, first game of the year at Kansas City, home against Seattle. So to your point, two very tough matchups, but it's a long season, 17 yeah, games. I, I just hope that they're they're really fans. All right. I want to finish with this, guys. The, the most interesting part about your visit here, is, was it somebody you talked to? Is it maybe something you got inside information on that you just are excited about or just something from the outside looking in? What's real, one really interesting? thing about well, I this told, visit here. I told Dan Campbell and, and uh, Brad Holmes as well, there's a lot of coaching because this is such a uh, a staff that has played the position, like Mark Brunel, I mean, you bring in John Fox as a coach and, you know, Aaron Glenn has played. There's a lot of coaching that's going on in between each and every play. You know, I've been on teams personally and I we see it on the camp tour where nothing is brought up. You You wait till after the practice and you coach up via the tape. You know, reviewing, hey, this. But no, like today, it was the young Stephen Gilmore, the young uh, defensive back, and it was a play offense, defense. Right away, Aaron Glenn's jumping in. He goes, son, come here. You know, he's giving him coaching pointers right there. Hey, you can't do that versus here's why. You know, you understand. You know, they're getting instant uh, correction right away when some staffs don't do that. They went to the film. And so I think it, it shows because the young guys you played last year, look at how they have grown and developed. And I think a lot of it is because of that, that the attention to detail and the instant care is there right away to develop these young players. For me, it was Aleem McNeil. And I'll tell you why, because we knew another team, they had a war in their draft room. One, one guy wanted them. The other guy didn't. They passed on them. So we've kind of stayed on top of them. So I lived in a world where every team I was with and every coach I was with was 4-3 front. And that guy would have been a steal as a three technique. And now you're playing him down. Now he's down. He, and he's and, lost and his lighter and all oh, that yeah. stuff. And he, he just is a big piece. And if you can get stout at the one technique, because you kind of play the shaded nose, it's not really a 3-4. It's just tilt. It's way, it's way um, what's his name, ran the same defense. It's really a one – it's not a one-gap defense all the time. But now he's penetrating. That guy's going to wreak havoc in the backfield, and he's going to let you be able to 
play without the extra guy in the box. And that's important. That's how Warren Sapp was. They played a lot of two behind it. Why? Because Sappy would make, he'd, he'd spike all the time and they, the center and the guard would have to take him. So you didn't need the extra guy. And that's what's going to happen with McNeil. So when I saw him today, as fast as he is off the ball. Good day to come. He had a couple st- Plays no, he was, yeah. today where yeah. he, and he's lost weight. He, he admitted yeah. he's lost 24 pounds. I wouldn't pounds. say it to him because it's not my place, but he made money today. Yeah. And it, the funny thing is I've stopped both Frank Ragnow and Jonah Jackson after, you know, seeing a lean and the weight being lost. I said, did he lose any strength losing 22 pounds? No. Heck no, he didn't. No. He said, nope, lost zero strength. He's That's just That's a quicker. linchpin to your defense. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And it's, uh, it's really important when you want to structure your secondary that you have a guy that they're scared to death of inside. Yeah. You got the outside guy, and you'll just slide the protection. But to have a guy in there now, pretty good deal for you. Well, that's exciting to hear. It's exciting that you guys were here to get your perspective. Jim Miller, Pat Kerwin, you guys do a great job moving the chains on uh, NFL, uh, Sirius NFL Radio. It's a must listen to for you guys out there. Thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate well, your thanks insight. Thanks, man. Yeah, yep. thank you guys. Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. I am very happy to welcome in Ben Solak from The Ringer. Ben, you do a terrific job with The Ringer. Um, I want to start with, let's go this right away. You're a Philly fan, grew up a Philly fan. So let me ask you about C.J. Gardner-Johnson. You know, obviously a guy who um, Brad Holmes identified as a guy who could be a huge piece to this defense, a versatile guy. You look at Philly last year played 400 snaps at safety, 200 at nickel, 200 in the box. A guy you can move all over. How big of a signing was that for Detroit? And just what kind of player are, are, is Detroit getting in C.J. Gardner-Johnson? Yeah, a really talented player. Uh, and, and, and the versatility is what makes him so valuable, right? Like when I first got here to camp, I was like, okay, so Chance is one of the starting safeties. Who's the other one, Kirby or Tracy? And you were like, no, no, no. Chauncey's playing the slot. And I was like, okay, well, when he was in Philly, he was primarily the deep safety. And the whole point of him leaving New Orleans was he wanted to be the deep safety. Now he's here in Detroit and he can play the slot for them. But then in different packages, you can put him back to play safety and you bring Brian Branch onto the field and it just snowballs and it snowballs and it snowballs, right? There's so many defensive packages you can play that other teams can't because they don't have a Chauncey. And when you play as much man coverage as Aaron Glenn does, Asking your safety to come down in the box. Some defenses ask that safety to be really good against the run. Other defenses, like Glenn's, need him to be able to cover slot receivers. And that's literally what Chauncey was doing for like four years in New Orleans. You can't find a better safety who can play over the slot than you can in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So it's a great, great, great fit. He's a very valuable player. He's a a, a vocal player. He's, He's a... A leader in the sense that he's a tone setter, right? Like you know what I'm saying? Like he will he will he will be no nonsense, he will be aggressive. If the defense is not playing poor if not playing well, he will make it a point and, and outline that, which is a good thing to have when you still got some youth there in the defense as well. And so Chauncey's a, a, a very valuable piece to a defense that hopes to continue to be more and more versatile in the back end. And a, a defense that hopes to get more hands on footballs, have a little bit more ball skills. Yep. So you look at a guy like that, right? Six interceptions tied for the NFL lead in only twelve games. We saw it with Kirby Joseph, right? Cam Sutton has that ability to so it's yep. guys that have been brought in to kind of get hands on footballs, you know, be those ball hawks, you know, turn the football over. That's been the big emphasis here um, with what Brad's done in the secondary. But Ben, when you're when you're good in the secondary, just how does that translate to all of, of your defense? Yeah, I mean, it, it allows Glenn to do that, which he's wanted to do and what he's tried to do and what he's done in his first couple of years here, which is play a ton of man coverage and line up and beat you for four quarters that they had. 
indeterminate success of that, right? They had lulls and they have swells over the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, two seasons ago, the secondary was unbelievably young. The entire defense was extremely young. Last year, they started to figure stuff out and they have good stretches and, and bad stretches, like I said. But you end up in a point where you you, you look at like Jeff Okuda and Amani Arawari and you say, okay, we want to make an improvement in this bad defensive backfield if we're really going to be a team that just lines up and beats you in man coverage mm-hmm. for four quarters. So you go get Sutton, you get Mosley, who Mosley's great when he's healthy, right? You have Jerry Jacobs already in the building. And then Chance is kind of that kicker, right? Where you weren't necessarily planning on getting that done, but all of a sudden he's available. The market isn't what you thought it would be, and he's he's there on a one-year deal. Brian Branch falls to you in the forties. You didn't necessarily think he'd be. And he starts going, "All right, well, if we're gonna do this thing, let's yeah. do the thing," you know. And so you um, what you 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 see like the, the Lions were, were were first in the last year in cover one rate. They were third in the year third in the league overall in man coverage rate. This team wants to just line up and play with their defensive backs and be able to match a variety of body types and a variety of receivers mm-hmm. uh, of receiver skills and they're better equipped now to do that than they ever have been in Aaron Glenn's tenure and that's what they're hoping for and you know just as I do that when you talk about past defense in the NFL it's a marriage between rush and cover mm-hmm. right yeah. and the cover part was the issue I think you look at some of the guys they've got up front what they can do um, lining up on the edges with Aiden Hutchinson with Charles Harris we saw what James Houston did at the end yeah. of last year they're excited about Josh Pascal. John Kaminsky can do a lot of things inside outside it looks like they've got the depth and the guys up front especially on the edge to, to be able to, you know, get after the quarterback, make things uncomfortable. It was always just kind of in the back end. They didn't have those guys that could cover just long enough. Now it seems like they've got that marriage much closer now, don't they, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what you still worry about is you worry about the interior of the defensive line. You yep. worry about the linebacking core because they were losing to the running game, especially running game like on first and 10, running game from passing looks. They lost a gun run a lot last year. And it's because you start to pour all these resources, and appropriately so, into the pass rusher spot, right? You spend the second rounder on Pascal, the first rounder on Hutchinson. You pay the money to keep Kaminsky here. You spend all that capital in, in the secondary, and you go and you get Cam Sutton and Mosley and Gardner Johnson and Brian Branch. And you're looking there now at Jack Campbell and Lee McNeil, and a third round pick out of Western Kentucky, Broderick Martin. Martin. Yeah, yep. yeah. And you're saying, right, like, we really need these guys to solve this problem for us, right? This is kind of, this is all we've got here in the interior. We have a lot of redundancy and a lot of depth at edge rusher, a lot of redundancy and depth and the defensive backfield. That's what you want it to be. Now that core becomes really, really important, right? That's not, not the sexy jobs, not the fun jobs, not the stat, stat sheet stuffing jobs. Yeah. The other jobs that get you to that third and seven where that pass rush and that coverage can shine as well. So you're looking at that core as an important part of this defense. I had Pat Kerwin and Jim Miller on before yeah. you and, and Pat, one of the things he's excited about was Ali McNeil. You know, how he's lost 22 pounds, how yeah. he looked quick. I stood next to you at practice a yeah. little bit, and we watched that a little bit. Aleem looks a little bit different. I mean, uh-huh. you know, I've seen him obviously yeah. every practice, every game he's been here. But you can really tell the 22 pounds and the body fat that yeah. he dropped. For me, he, I would say he looks dramatically different, right? For yeah. you, it's like the gradual thing. For me, I saw him and I was like, that's not the same player that was at NC State. And that's a guy going from I'm going to play over the center, I'm going to play in the A-gap, to now I'm going to be a permanent B-gap player, right? And I'm going to add stuff as a pass rusher and add stuff as a penetrator, which he's had such delightful flashes. Everybody knows the giant game and the dead yep. pressure game, right? It's there. Yep. You know, you, you can taste it, you can feel it. And so kudos to him for a an extremely fast body recomposition and kind of a, a commitment to that role. Yeah, I've always loved Lee McNeil since he was with the Wolfpack. He's a good prospect. But to your point, need a guy like him. Need a guy like Levi Onzerike, a mm-hmm. second-round yeah. pick from a few years ago who obviously battled injuries. You need that guy to step up up front, be that guy next to Aleem, and then obviously need to hit on Jack. You know, and Jack's yeah. got to be a, a player here. All right, Ben, let's go to the other side of the ball yeah. a little bit. I know, you know, one of the reasons why you're in town here, you know, want to get with Jared Golf, do something for the ringer there. 
impressions of golf in the year he had last year. How impressive was that? Because obviously mm-hmm. it's a tough situation that he had two years ago, moved here, joining a team that look was young and not very good. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. And to evolve what he did from 2021 to 2002, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And just the, the, what you thought of that season yeah. last year. Brad Holmes, whenever he talks about golf, he makes the point where like, when we drafted golf at Cal, he was really young. And we saw that he had a lot of development to do. He had a lot of upside. And then, you know, four or five years later, stuff with Sean McVay is fracturing. He's available in the trade market. And Holmes is the GM of the Lions. And he looks at golf and he goes, well, he's still, like, actually really young for a guy who's been in the league for five years. He still has a lot of development and upside. Like, like the same thing that I, I saw when he was there at Cal, I still see now where like, he can he can continue to get better. So they go and they acquire him the trade from Matthew Stafford. And the headline of that trade is Stafford goes to the Rams. And, the you know, the Rams tossed golf in as salary cap filler. But in reality... Goff has now had the starting job for multiple years and has gotten better for multiple years. He's got an OC who knows where his bread is buttered, and Ben Johnson does a great job setting up the offense where Goff is strong. And you had from Goff last year his emphatic best season since the the 2017 yeah. season. Like it, like he played better than I think he did in 2018 when they made the Super Bowl run, and certainly than he did since then. This is not just like one of the best versions of Goff that we've seen over the course of his career, but it also feels like a much more stable version, a much more certain version. Right when you had 2016 Jeff Fisher horrible rookie season to then this 2017-2018 explosion, you figure the truth is somewhere in the middle and you kind of vacillate and settle. And now it feels like he's actually picking up, but he's mature, he's growing. You see this with a lot of the veteran quarterbacks in this system, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo and and Kirk Cousins, like guys who, okay, in their first few years starting, you're watching their prolific success in these offenses and going, is this them? Is this the coaching staff? Is this the play calling? Is this the system? But eventually you just take in so many snaps in the NFL, you have so much experience that you know what it looks like you've seen it all you've seen the woodses and you see the changes and you know what you can get to and what you can get to and you 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 develop this this veteran ability to just manage the offense and i think that's where we're seeing jared Goff right now you know when i look at jared Goff in last season the thing that impresses me the most is the 324 straight passes without an interception but it's not just the 324 ben it's doing it while having the number four passing offense Mm -hmm. you know the number four overall offense number five um in points and number eight in passing so it's not like you're dinking and dunking and you're doing this and you're not making plays down the field he's just really at, at a spot where i think he understands that if he doesn't turn the football over he's got the weapons now he's in a great scheme that fits him he's one of the best play action passers in the league this is a play action offense that he it just yep. seems like he's in a good spot yeah and and the big part of the the turnovers right it's like okay avoid interceptions the other drive killers are fumbles and sacks. And Goff has always, always been a mobile quarterback, so he stayed in the pocket. And all, the concern with him coming out of Cal, right, was the small hands. Mm-hmm. He would have been on the football. Behind this offensive line, you're not going to have as many sacks and fumble problems as you would otherwise, right? <laughs> no. like you got the boys. You're going to be protected pretty well. And so if you do your job on interceptions, they're going to handle your job over there. And all of a sudden, it's clean pockets. Mm-hmm. And, and Goff's always been great making throws under pressure and taking a hit. So when things get muddy, he'll, he'll hang in there and he'll throw the ball. But you don't really have to worry too much about the, I got to run around, I got to deal with pressure, and I got to deal with hits. Like he, he has such good pass protection and, and the play action helps as well up front that handle your business on the interceptions and understand like this offense can just work for you it can plug it can chuck and the final piece of that puzzle is you don't need to get 10 yards and three downs you need to get 10 and four and that's the benefit of having that aggressive coach is you get to third and six third and seven you go i really gotta hang in the pocket i gotta let this route develop deep down the field and then you remember dan campbell's gonna go for him fourth and two so i can dump this thing off short of the six right now and if i just get a positive play they're gonna give me another opportunity to go get this and so holistically now the lions have a great infrastructure offensive line and play caller an aggressive head coach to let golf 
chill, not feel like he has to push, not feel like he has to attack tight windows, facilitate the offense, which worked great. Like it's, it sounds not sexy, right? It sounds like, oh, you know, they're protecting him. That's a top five passing offense. Right. Like, it worked just fine. <laughs> What about Ben Johnson and, and yeah. that fit for Jared? It seems like it's a perfect fit. And we talked about this with Jimmy mm-hmm. Pat a little bit too, but just, um, you know, for, for Ben to bring, you know, Jared in when building this office, it wasn't, here's my offense, learn it. It was, yeah. let's do this together. It seems that that's really benefited Jared too. And I think that's helped him settle in maybe quicker than than some quarterbacks learning a new mm-hmm. offense, going to their second year with an offense. It seems like this offense and the way Ben communicates got him involved, just the way he he calls a game just seems to really benefit Jared. And he's almost a perfect fit for it. Yeah, and it wasn't even that uh, Ben brought Jared into his offense and said, okay, what works for you? Ben got the job and Jared was already here, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ben came up from tight ends coach, if, if yep, memory serves. Yeah. And so he sits down with Jared and goes, okay, what'd you like? You know, like, <laughs> let's figure this thing out. Uh, ben Johnson is such a impressive coach and also a challenging coach for somebody like me to talk to, talk about, excuse me, because usually I do like, uh, well, he came from this, this coaching tree and they run this stuff. And this is where you see he kind of adjusted and changed it. And Ben not came out of nowhere. I mean, a little bit came out of nowhere. And he just steals stuff, right? Like yep. they they run a lot of a lot of like traditional McVay stuff and stuff yep. that Goff saw from the Rams. But Ben was never on that staff, no. right? He's just just yanking it from over there, saying, "Okay, this Adam works." Gay stuff a lot. Right. There's some concepts in there. And now, and uh, they're, they're bringing Jameer Gibbs in, and mm-hmm. we're gonna line up Gibbs as a running back, or, excuse me, as a wide receiver, like you know, ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent, whatever percent ends up being of all, all our all our snaps. And again, you go look at Ben Johnson and this offensive coaching staff and you go, okay, who came up with this? Like, who's doing this? Like, where, who was on the Christian McCaffrey staff? Who was on the, you know, uh, uh, Austin Eckler staff? Who, who's got a background in this? And the answer is not really anybody. They're just, okay, this is something that works across the league and we have a guy who can do it. So let's go steal some stuff from some other places and put it together. And that, a lot, a lot of guys wish they could do that. Few guys can pull it off, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot harder than it seems to graft stuff from different trees and build yeah. that cohesive offense. So kudos to Ben Johnson. That's why he was a hot commodity on, on the coaching market, and that's why he's, he's a he deserves that that attention is because not a lot of guys can pull off what he's pulled off here in a very quick period of time in, in Detroit. So what are you most excited about? We'll finish with that. Mm-hmm. Just heading into the season, when you think about the Detroit Lions, what what maybe excites you? What maybe concerns you? What's yeah. what's maybe that that kind of thing that you go to when you're thinking about the Detroit Lions heading into 2023. I love watching teams grow into contenders. I think it's really cool. Um, I, 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 I like to think about what the Lions could potentially be doing at the trade deadline if they have a good record and they're looking to kind of, you know, jump, jump this thing up to the next level. I was joking with, with PJ, who uh, works with you, who's off screen, about uh, beating the Chiefs in week one, you know, and kind of having a statement game. But, like, the Lions – didn't make the playoffs last season. They didn't finish the job, but it feels like a different team. It feels like a growing yeah. team. It feels like an emerging team into a contender. So that's extremely exciting. So it's just cool to watch. There's a other side of that coin, which is that brings new pressure, that brings new expectations, that brings new urgency, right? It's awesome to sit down, to bring in our guys and, and, and to build it up, right? And, and to do it with our culture in the Dan Campbell way, right? Cam Sutton's not like known in the league as a star, but he's a good corner. He's a great culture guy and he's nice and tough, right? Amon Ross St. Brown was not known to be a star, but fourth round pick he was and he's earns his stripes. You know, there's a lot of, of, of we build it up here, right? We, we get like, you know, not necessarily the S tier stars, but some guys like, you know, good to great players. And we, we, we have a culture here. We have a connection here and that, that grows. That's great. That's really nice and easy when just like the vibes are good. But mm-hmm. once the expectations get really high and the pressure dials on, that's where you like to have stars that you can lean on. That's when you like to have guys who have been there before and not be a young team, but be an older team. And that's that's the 
the difficult and challenging metamorphosis, but still the necessary and exciting metamorphosis the Lions have to undergo. And every good team has to go through that, yep. right? It's that old saying of, you know, you've got to almost lose before you can win. But you got to get to that point, yep. get close, then lose, then you can get over the edge. It, it should be really fun to watch. And I love having you on because we can talk about anything. I can ask you anything and you can just roll. Yeah. He has been so... There's a kicker battle going on. I was watching him try <laughs> to kick kicker battle is tight. <laughs> it's tight. We, we, we can go into that too. We can sit here for a half hour and talk stuff. But no, I appreciate you become a, a a friend of the show, you're, you're a good guest to have. I love having you on. Thank you. Welcome to Alan Park here for the next few days. He has been Solek from the Ringer. 